I do the clap when I'm ready, or you do the clap. Clapping is okay. 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 Hello, my name is Andrew Gross. I am the associate pastor here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. We are a small multi-ethnic congregation in the heart of St. Paul, Minnesota, and God has called us to radiate his life and his joy as a house of prayer for all the nations. And we're so glad that you joined us for today's message. Today, we are in a series on the book of Psalms, and the Psalms is a great place for us to be this summer because the Psalms helps us to understand uh, our theme for the year. That, that theme is the year of the just king. Our church is trying to discover what does it mean to follow and to trust in this king, King Jesus, who claims to be just, but at the same time, we see the world falling apart around us. So what, what does it mean to trust in him and follow him? And the Psalms are perfect for helping us dig into that theme. And today's Psalm is Psalm 84. Now, Psalm 84 is one of the most beloved Psalms in all of history. Uh, it's inspired countless people to follow God, to uh, go into professional ministry, to become missionaries uh, over the centuries. Uh, And Psalm 84 is what's called a pilgrimage psalm, as we'll find out more of in just a moment. And that's really good for us because we are on pilgrimage. Part of the definition of the Christian life is to be on a journey from wherever we are to move closer to God. That's what a pilgrimage is. And so Psalm 84 is just a great way for us to understand what it means to be on pilgrimage. This psalm expresses the psalmist's deep longing to meet with God in the temple. And there were so many benefits to the ancient Israelite people uh, to go to, for going to the temple. They, there was a strong desire for them to go to the temple because of all these benefits that they encountered there. And there were a lot of them. First of all, uh, when they went to the temple, there was an assurance that they were truly forgiven and their sins were taken away. They would go into the temple and they would see the Levites and the priests very busy with all of the work they did, uh, all of the rituals God had commanded them to conduct and, uh, and that gave any Israelite who was watching an assurance that God was taking care of the sin that had separated them from him. And that was the first benefit, was this assurance that, that God had forgiven them. Uh, a, a second thing that we find out from Psalm 63 was that they remembered the past acts of God and his justice and his goodness whenever they would go into uh, go into the temple. Uh, all Every object in the temple was set up to remind the people of God what God had done for them in the past. And of course, this helped with another benefit, uh, which was to 
meditate on God's ongoing goodness and ongoing care and provision for the people. And so they would go to the temple to, as Psalm uh, 48 verse 9 says, to meditate on God's loving kindness while they were in the temple. And of course, all this, both the remembering uh, of what God had done in the past, uh, the uh, things that brought to mind about how good God was right now, all that renewed the faith of the people uh, in God's future goodness. Some other great things that happened for the Israelites when they were in the temple was, according to Psalm 73, verse 17, they would gain perspective. How often have you and I uh, struggled through something simply because we've lost perspective. We've lost perspective on what's going on. And, and according to Psalm 73, verse 17, people would regain that perspective when they went into the temple. Also, people would go into the, sem- into the temple to satisfy their soul thirst. Every one of us has a deep thirst for, for something that's aching for something. And according to Psalm 63, that thirst would be quenched when people would go into the temple. Furthermore, Psalm 61 verse 4 says that in the temple, people could recover from distress and trial. Uh, In Psalm 27, that's a good one for you to study on your own at some point. Psalm 27 has many, uh, lists many of the benefits that happen uh, for people in the temple. Verse 5 says that people find safety in the temple. Um, Uh, Verse 12 says that people find justice and vindication in the temple. Uh, Verse 6 says that people find ransom and rescue from their enemies. Uh, And verse 10 says that they find an assurance that God has truly adopted them as as his own children. And verse 11 says that uh, people learn God's ways when they're in the temple. Uh, uh, This is all summarized uh, best in Psalm 16, verse 11, where David says that in God's presence, in other words, in the temple, uh, they, people discover the fullness of joy and they discover pleasures that go on forever. So this temple experience was so powerful that David, King David, boiled all of his other requests down to one simple request. In Psalm 27, verse 4, he asks, This one thing I ask of you, God, imagine that. All the things David could have requested, all the things David could have asked for, he boiled it down to one thing. And it says here that I shall seek, this one thing, that I may dwell in your tabernacle all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in your temple. Lots of other Psalms carry the same theme, but, but... David thought this was the most important request he could possibly make. In fact, Psalm 16, verse 5, talks about how David was actually jealous of the Levites and the priests who got to basically spend all their time in the temple. If you remember, uh, the Bible talks about how the Levites and the priests weren't given their own land and they weren't given their own provision. Their portion that God was giving them was the gift of himself by letting them work in the temple. And David, even though he was king and he commanded armies and he had all kinds of land and all kinds of property, everything his heart could have wished for, David was jealous of the Levites and the priests who wanted or who got to live in and work in the temple. And so 
the reason why the temple is uh, such a, a powerful experience is because uh, the temple, and whether you call it a sanctuary or the tabernacle or the house of the Lord or the courts of the Lord, any of those names, all of that, those are all symbols of meeting with God. The temple is a symbol of meeting with God. And, uh, and this is really helpful for us today uh, because a little reminder of something I said uh, in a previous message, which is that uh, for the Israelites, uh, when, the, when, the, uh, when the Psalms were pieced together into one single book, uh, they no longer had a temple to go to. The temple had been destroyed because they were in exile. It was the worst period, the darkest period in the history of, uh, of the Israelites. They'd been carted off to the foreign city of Babylon where they had to live away from their land. Uh, no king, no temple, all of the symbols of God's provision and care and getting to meet with God. And so they pieced together the book of Psalms and something I mentioned a few messages ago was that the book of Psalms became like a mobile temple. Uh, the book of Psalms, the promise of the book of Psalms is that by meditating on it, by praying it, by using the book of Psalms, the people of God could meet with God even when there was no physical temple uh, where they could meet with him. And so uh, the book of Psalms became very important in the lives of the Israelites. And it's important in our life too, because like I said earlier, that we're all on pilgrimage, we're also all in exile. Just like the Israelites uh, who had to go through exile, we're in exile. Now, you might say, hold on, hold, hold on a minute. I, I don't feel like I'm in exile. Uh, this is the country I was born in. Well, uh, you know, uh, if you're not face-to-face with Jesus yet, you and I are in exile because this isn't our home. It doesn't matter how comfortable your house might be, how safe it feels. We're not home yet until we are with Jesus face-to-face. So like the ancient Israelites, we are in exile. And like the ancient Israelites, we're on pilgrimage through this life. And so this psalm and the whole book of Psalms is really helpful for us at this point. So let's take a look at Psalm 84 specifically. Let's focus in on that. Psalm 84 is full of enticements to move us closer to God, move us closer to meeting him in the temple. So let's look at some of those enticements. Starting in verse 1, how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. Now that word lovely, in Hebrew it's yedidot, and uh, that word is associated in other contexts with actually with lovers and with lovemaking. And so uh, a famous commentator, Robert Alter, says that that, um, that word is so powerful because it conveys a virtually erotic intensity to it. And so the psalmist really picked a powerful word to start the psalm off with. Uh, verse 2 says, My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. It's an expression of extreme longing. Other uh, translations say pining away for or fainting with desire for the courts of the Lord. He goes on in verse 2, My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Heart and flesh, that's another way of saying my whole being. His whole being is longing for God. Uh, some commentators have said it's maybe more appropriate to translate, instead of sing for joy, it's more appropriate to translate this as anguished cry because there's such a, 
a deep, visceral yearning for God. It's so deep. Verse 3 gets really interesting. The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord Most High, my King and my God. What's interesting here is this, the, the psalmist is expressing jealousy of little birds, little swallows, because of their easy access to the temple. They could just fly in and fly out and build their nests in little nooks and crannies all over the temple. And the psalmist is expressing jealousy, envy. He doesn't get to be a bird who can just fly in and fly, and fly close to God. Verse 4, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. That word blessed, in Hebrew, it's esher. It's where we get the name Asher. It also can be translated as happy. And it's got this sense to it of a full, robust, satisfying life. Uh, <clears throat> and, and that's the portion. That's what people who dwell in the presence of God get to experience is that blessedness. What's amazing, though, is that that blessedness isn't only for the people who are already at the temple, because according to the next verse, verse 5, says, How blessed is the one whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Okay, now we're getting into the image of the pilgrimage here. This is why it's called a pilgrimage psalm. Uh, the idea of someone's heart in, in their heart dwells the highways to Zion. In, in other words, this person is preoccupied with and thinking about uh, going to Zion, the place where the temple was located. Uh, e e they might not actually be on the path yet physically. They might not actually be going there, but in their heart, they're already going there. They're already preoccupied with moving towards Zion. So according to this passage, even just thinking about making pilgrimage towards Zion, towards the temple, even that alone, it brings us to the same level of blessedness as being, as already being at Zion. We can experience that same level of blessedness. And, and then furthermore, this passage says that the strength that we need comes from determining to make that pilgrimage, or even thinking about making that pilgrimage. So uh, um, let me just say that again. You and I are going to get strength for this journey by just determining to make that pilgrimage. When we determine we're going to move from wherever we're at closer to God, that's when God brings us strength. That's uh, when um, we have God's strength in us when we make that determination to go on pilgrimage. And God is so good, he promises comfort along the way. Verse 6, passing through the valleys of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessing. Now, this is interesting because the psalmist here, by choosing the word Baca, there, there actually, there was a real valley of Baca, but the word Baca also means weeping. And the idea was that the pilgrims on their way to Zion would have to pass through this valley to get there. And, uh, and of course, that's a symbol for all of us on our pilgrimage, we're going through, for most of us, many valleys of weeping. Uh, but there's comfort in the middle of those valleys of weeping. And what's amazing about this picture is these pilgrims, as they go through the valley, 
because their hearts are set on getting to their destination, uh, God is transforming their hearts, and, and that the, the light and the joy that they're experiencing as they're anticipating meeting with God, that's actually leaking out from them, and it's that that's transforming the valley of weeping into a place of springs, okay? You guys get following me with that picture? Uh, the, the valley of, of weeping is actually being transformed into a place of springs because of what's coming out of the pilgrims, uh, and, and that's how God actually has almost always worked in the world. Most of us are waiting for God to do something out there. Well, he does do things out there, but he also probably primarily, more than any other way, he transforms us when we're on pilgrimage. And when he does that, then that life leaks out to other people and transforms the weeping around us into a place of springs. Uh, and and it, then he, it goes on to say, God covers it with blessing. So there's comfort and blessing on the journey in spite of the valleys of weeping we must go through. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. So God supplies strength in the journey, not just one time, but multiple times through the journey. And he promises us that the destination is certain. We know that we're going to end up seeing God face-to-face. But then there's, things switch a little bit in verse 8 and 9, and there's a strange request. It says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. What's going on here? There's this weird request, and really what it is is uh, the person is requesting for God to show favor to the human king. Uh, and the, the reason I say that, that word shield in other places, Psalm 47, verse 9, Psalm 89, verse 18, that word shield sometimes gets used as a, a, um, for a king. A human king was sometimes called a shield. Uh, and so is the word anointed, the anointed one. Um, only kings and high priests were anointed. And so the king uh, is sometimes called just the anointed one. Uh, and why would there be this weird prayer for the king uh, for God to show favor to this king, this human king, right in the middle of this pilgrimage. What, why is that there? Well, the answer is pretty simple. It was the king who protected the highways to the temple. And if the king wasn't strong and wasn't successful, uh, then the highways uh, could be ravaged by foreign raiding armies or brigands or robbers. All kinds of things could happen to the people who were making pilgrimage to the temple. And so they depended on the king to protect the highways so people could make their pilgrimage. In other words, a successful pilgrimage to meet with God depended on God's success. And that's why they prayed, God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Now, this is important because I don't want you, when, when you, if you learn how to pray this on your own, if you uh, pray this psalm on your own, uh, don't skip this, these two verses, verses 8 and 9. These are helpful to us because this king is Jesus. Uh, we know it's not David or Solomon being referred to, or maybe originally it was, possibly by the first writers. But remember, this was uh, the book of Psalms was pieced together during the exile, and they didn't have a king at this point, and there was no promise, there was no certainty, I should say, that a king was coming. And so for the people in exile... 
this prayer was important because it pointed them ahead to some future king, some Messiah who was on the way. And we know through the New Testament that that Messiah has come, that that Messiah, that king is Jesus. And this king has perfectly won the favor of his father. And what that means for us is that because of what Jesus is doing, Jesus is protecting our highways to Zion. Uh, Because of Jesus, we can have safe pilgrimage to meet with God. And that is fantastic news for us. Let's go on. Verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. What an image. You're saying here that the courts of God, the presence of God, the temple of God, that's better than pretty much anything else you can imagine. Imagine for a moment your best fantasy vacation ever. Let's say there's no limit to how much money you can spend, no, mu- no limit to how much time you can spend there. You get to do whatever you want. Multiply that by a thousand times, and a moment with God is even better than that. A moment of God with God is better than the very best thing you can possibly imagine. I tell you, this, the truth from this psalm, from this specific verse, has saved me. It's rescued me countless times from my own sin and my own temptation. How has it done that? Well, the next verse helps us understand why this is such a powerful truth. Verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. It's this image of God is this glowing fountain of everything that's good. All the light, all the heat, all the energy, all the joy, all the gifts, everything we'd ever need, all the protection we ever need. God is this glowing fountain of that. And uh, it goes on in verse 11, The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So not only is God this ever-flowing fountain of graciousness and kindness, He's generous about it. He's generous. He doesn't want to withhold any of it from us. He wants to pour it on thick and lavish us with his goodness. And and because of that, that's why it's better to be with him for even a moment than anything else we could possibly imagine. And the last verse concludes with some of the best news of all. You see, not only is the blessedness, the blessedness, described here, not only is it reserved for the people who are already in the presence of God, and not only is it reserved for the people who are on the journey towards God or the people who are thinking about the journey towards God, this blessedness is also reserved for, according to verse 12, anybody who trusts him, simply trusts him. That's all we need for access to this amazing God. Verse 12 says, O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the one who trusts in you. And that's the good news. Mere trust, simple trust, is all we need to fully enter and into and access all of the blessedness of being with God. My hope and prayer for you is that you will set your heart on pilgrimage today and trust in this God. Thank you.
Hello, my name is Andrew Gross. I am the associate pastor at Bethel Christian Fellowship. We're a little multi-ethnic church here in the uh, heart of St. Paul, Minnesota, and we're really glad you joined us this morning. Uh, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about Psalm 84. And the question I'm trying to answer for all of us is, what am I supposed to do with my longing? All of us have a longing deep inside of us. Uh, sometimes it's an ache that we can barely contain. And it often feels like the thing we're longing for is just past the horizon, just out of reach. Uh, it's just a little too far for us to touch. What am I supposed to do with my longing? Well, Psalm 84 has an answer for us. And uh, we, by listening to the longer message, uh, we will discover what on earth God wants us to do with that soul ache, that soul thirst that each of us needs to quench. Would you join us for that longer message? Thank you. <laughs> 